I'm Jamie. And I'm Nikisha. And this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Welcome, guys. Welcome. (laughs) Today is going to be a lot. I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out there for my own sanity because we are talking about the newly released Netflix supernatural horror mini series. (laughs) Midnight Mass. I want you to take this boat and row to the mainland and leave this place and never look back. But I knew you wouldn't do that. I knew you wouldn't believe any of this unless you saw. I want you to run. But I believe you're going to row back there and do everything you can to try and save them. I'm just so sorry you have to see this. I love you, Aaron Green. Actually, instead of the beep-a-beos, we should have, like, church bells. Oh, my gosh. Or just, like, the acapella <laughs> choir singing. Actually, no, I love the bells. The bells are great. Also, so, I do want to welcome everybody to season two. Welcome to season two of Talking Horror. Welcome. What a welcome. What a welcome this show is. A little bit different format, only specifically because this is a mini series and we're going to go a little episode by episode. But same old us, you know, hashtag doing our best season two. (laughs) (laughs) So Midnight Mass was uh, created and directed by our fave Mike Flanagan for Netflix specifically. The cast features some of his recurring characters of actors, Zach Guilford, Kate Siegel, Hamish Linklater, Raul Coley, and Henry Thomas, just to name a few. But there are a couple of others that we have seen in past Mike Flanagan shows. If you've seen The Haunting of Hill House or The Haunting of Bly Manor, you will see some familiar faces in Midnight Mass. So obviously, because we are going through this episode through episode, they're going to be heavy, heavy spoilers So if you have not watched it, watch all of the episodes we are talking about one through seven, not just episode one, the entirety Mm -hmm. of the series. So please watch all of it. Get back to us. Any trigger warning? Do your binge. Do your binge. (laughs) Um, Trigger warnings. Um, I mean, there's obviously a lot. There's heavy uh, religious overtones, if that is upsetting to you. (laughs) Nikisha's face. I wish I could describe it. She looks like (laughs) ill. (laughs) Um, If that is a trigger, steer clear. Um, There is... um, there is a car accident that occurs in the beginning that they reference like visuals from. Um, so if that is unsettling to you, um, also alcoholism is, is, uh, discussed frequently. Um, am I missing anything? Oh, there is a, there's some, 
uh, deceased cats as well as a dog that is poisoned. Um, that is also upsetting. Um, and a bunch of people drink poison. So if that's upsetting to you too, uh, then, then this might not be for you. Oh, and some self-harm too. People are biting themselves, cutting themselves. It's it's a lot of blood. Some, Some slicing and dicing. Yes. I'm slicing and dicing. So because this is a lot, should we just get into it? Like just start it off? Yeah. Yeah. Let's just go right in for sure. At at Genesis, right? That's where you start. Oh, that's where you start. (laughs) Okay. And I just have to say, because I'm making the faces, because how this show just hit home for me was absolutely insane, ridiculous. The timing of it was amazing, impeccable. I grew up in a Catholic church and this is where it's the show is based off of the Catholic traditions and the sacraments. And I also just realized that there's seven episodes and there are seven sacraments in the Catholic church. And I was like, Oh "Oh, man, this is so (laughs) crazy. But we're starting off with Genesis, which actually literally means the beginning. So we're Mm -hmm. getting the story. Jamie, do you want to kind of like, let us know what is happening a little bit in episode one? Yeah, I mean, we're we're introduced to the you know the main character Riley. We're introduced to um, to this t- to this um, not town. It's an island, um, but basically. Riley, our main character, gets in a drunk driving accident and is um, sentenced to serve time in jail, which Carla Gugino, I don't know if anyone recognized the voice of the judge, but also in um, other Mike Flanagan projects. But um, that was like literally the only thing that she did was (laughs) the voice of the judge. Um, But um, so he serves his time and four years later, he's released um, which like separately, like I had a hard time wrapping my head around that, but like, we, we're not going to get into that. Um, we don't have enough time for that. Uh, but <laughs> he is released from jail and he returns to his hometown, um, which is the island. It's, it's Crockett. Um, I want to say Crockpot, but that's what they jokingly call it. Um, yes. And he goes home to his parents and his brother. um, And he likes everyone who's, you know, always been in the town is still there. It's like this small fishing town. Um, One of the first things I think I said when we were watching, it was like, this really reminds me of Maine, Um, especially because, you know, Brian and I had visited Maine and we, uh, we did take a ferry to this like really small island. And it just like very much had those vibes of like, old small fishing town. Um, there's only like a couple ferries in and out. Um, so that's like, you know, that's the setting. And, um, yeah, so we're learning that like, this is a very religious town, um, you know, devout Catholics for, for, for the most part. Um, they reference that, you know, this town is based off the fishing industry, but like, they've really been messed up due to this awful oil spill. That's like basically, you know, put the, the whole Island out of commission. Um, and, um, and yeah, so that's kind of like where we, where we start out. Yeah. And I'll keep it short because we, it's a long way to go, but I think this was a great opening episode, a lot of exposition into it, really honing in on what characters we need to be focusing on. And one of my main thoughts when I was watching this was 
there are a lot of different characters in this small town. And sometimes with shows of that nature that is ensemble based, it can seem like a lot, but this seemed like just enough of who we need to be focusing on so that we can carry on with the story. So I really appreciated that. It was like just the right amount of, of people of attention to uh, specifics and they carry that throughout the entirety of the show. So I think this was a great opening episode. There was a lot of good jump scares with the recurring, uh, person who or woman who died in the car crash and he was having like the the dreams about her and uh yeah I definitely did not know where it was going to go but I was like okay I'm in for the ride I love the isolation of the island because you already feel like Mm -hmm. things are going to happen and that's just like a perfect setting for a horror thing and literally just the idea of religion being some form of a horror and I'll I'll get into this when we really get into those parts in the show but mm-hmm. it's just such a crazy concept but it works so well and we'll talk about why it works well but those are my general mm-hmm. thoughts for the first episode yeah although you brought up like one of the things that I actually thought was really like surprising was um with the recurring images of the woman or the the young person that um Riley like killed in the drunk driving accident is um, I thought that was a really interesting portrayal of like flashbacks and nightmares and just like Mm -hmm. the recurring nature of it. Like the, the, it just like, it was so visceral and like, it was so weird because it both scared me and didn't scare me every time it happened because like you knew that it was going to happen, which I think is also interesting in terms of like, you know, you might know your triggers for, of trauma and like, you know, know what things are going to set off flashbacks or know that you're going to have recurring nightmares of trauma, but it still is like unsettling. It doesn't matter how many times that you've experienced it. So like you as the viewer, seeing it like seeing the camera shift as he's like lying down in bed so you're kind of like going face to face with him and it's like twisting but then you're also like seeing the image of of you know the dead woman and then seeing his face and seeing the image of the dead woman like going back and forth using the music as well to like also kind of set you off I'm like why does this keep I I said that loud I was like why does this keep scaring me like I know it's gonna happen I don't understand but like I think that that's like I thought that was an excellent portrayal of of like trauma and um and yeah flashbacks and nightmares so I I don't even don't even get me started on the soundtrack because (laughs) fantastic just incredible but Brian do you have thoughts on the first episode um I thought it was great I agree with both of you I think it set everything up really well um also it doesn't get too deep into everything. Like it sets up Riley. It just, it's, it's, it's such good exposition with spectacular ambiance. And we know we have six more episodes to go after this. We're all, we have a very high am. We're highly anticipating this Mike Flanagan journey. Also like, I had no idea what this was actually about. I understood that this plot wise, I get that we were about to, knowing Mike Flanagan and like how he likes to talk through things and do things and you know not knowing him personally me and Mike but like yes. <laughs> knowing his work because like during the pandemic Jamie and I watched every single film in his um mm. in his filmography in his, um, filmography yeah and so like <laughs> really excited to see this and so I knew from a high level one that it was super personal to him and two that it was it it, it it was going to deconstruct religion through the horror of lens and, or at least, at least specifically in more general religion in terms of like community and for the individual, but also for um, the, 
uh, uh, Catholicism in general. But so I really thought this set up everything well, like Jamie was talking about with exposition. A couple things I do want to point about the point out about this episode is one, um, the uh, uh, I think it's this episode where um, Zach Gilford, um, um, Riley says that while he was in jail, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, this was episode two. He talks about how he 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 read everything from the Bible to the Quran to ever to to the to the Torah, and like nothing clicked for him. And I thought, <laughs> what an interesting way to set up this atheist that's not making the decision based on ignorance, but is making on the decision based on education and a wealth of knowledge. I thought setting him up that way, making him someone who was very smart, but like traumatized because of what he did and, and, and the shame he felt and the guilt he felt. And we'll get into one of the best scenes that Flanagan's ever written in a couple episodes. Um, Mm -hmm. So I really appreciated those two things. Um, The third thing I'll say is that, um, I really appreciated the flat out racism um, in terms of the storytelling mechanism and them not holding back. He called that first scene when they're watching him get off the boat and he says, um, he says, Oh, Aladdin's coming. It took me, it took me, it took it, it really hit because like you, nobody like, because you don't know what this is about and like oh wow this is going to be something and then they talk about like his dad's the sheriff and they call the sheriff sharif and i'm just like oh like i was i was actually surprised at how much the racism i feel like we watch so much stuff where the racism is like underneath everything but like Mm -hmm. to have it like actually be spoken was and i don't i mean this in the most positive way possible refreshing from a storytelling point of view because you knew it was going to come back in some sort of a way without just like being under the surface um and then the last thing i'll say and jamie and i talked about this while we were watching it is some of the old age makeup was very distracting very but (laughs) so but jamie and i were saying like this just means we're going to get some badass flashback sequences. At least that's what we thought at the time. So we were like, awesome. We love all these actors and actresses who have, who are great up. And like, I, we look very bored to like seeing them. Like, so we thought like, what's the secret? What's the secret of this Island that they're talking about? Like, we also talked about how, (coughs) how (coughs) it seems like anyone who leaves comes back because, um, Kate, uh, Siegel's character came back or, um, Aaron, Aaron came back after having bad luck out there. Riley came back. They talk about how those people just left and like were never really heard from, um, you know, and, and so like there's this concept. Of, so we were thinking like, what's making people stay on this island, this. And then you have the whole other thing with the, the new priest getting there um, with like this, what's in the trunk? Like, 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 how are all these things connected? Because all the stories felt very decentralized from each other the only thing that was bringing them together was the island so that's kind of where we landed uh on that um and then yeah all the stuff bringing together like the cat like them on that little mini island off of it with talking about the cats and that's when we see the you know that flanagan scare where it's there the whole time and then it moves and Mm then um uh and then the uh and then it and then them talking about how like all the dead bodies like would um all the he makes the joke that all the bones um come up on the up on their side of the island when there's a storm and then um 
And I was actually surprised at the story. Like a lot of this show, I know I'm rambling, but a lot of this show, I thought that like they talk about the storm. I thought the storm would be in episode two, but like it's in episode one. Like there's a lot of things that you feel like they're building up for like these bigger moments, these like more drawn out moments, but they just like, he just like gets right to it to set everything up. Um, and so like you take the cats and the bones and then like you put those stories together and that's the beginning at the end. Um, okay. I'll stop there. I really, <laughs> what I'm saying is I really liked episode one. I think it was awesome setup. No, absolutely. Also, did we notice that in Riley's room, the seven movie poster in mm-hmm. the background? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love those little details. I also, in one of my notes, it might've been in episode two or three, but I definitely put <laughs> Those prosthetics are not fooling me. This lady is about to have a transformation of some kind because this woman is young. Okay. But I didn't think about flashbacks. I was like, no, something's going to happen with her in the now because she, Interesting. It, has to, it, it has to be, but maybe we'll release those episodes later. But we actually thought uh, <laughs> scene by episode by episode. So uh, the next episode is Psalms, which means songs. And there's a lot of singing happening. I definitely was singing to some of the hymns that were familiar to me in this, which was equally creepy. Uh, <laughs> you know that something's just not right with everyone. I also just want to comment on the writing. And this might not make sense to anyone else, but it made sense to me in the moment. But a lot of the writing feels theatrical and presentational. And not that it's a bad thing, but every time you hear a monologue, it's not really in common in dialogue or you know something that's naturally flowing dialogue it's very Mm -hmm. like this is what I have to say and I am telling this because this is like pertinent information for everyone but that's what I loved about this like every time Mm -hmm. I watched an episode it felt like these monologues could have came straight from a a play on stage like this whole Mm -hmm. show could be some form of a play on stage like very reminiscent (laughs) of the play Doubt and so sure. I just really in, enjoyed that writing style because you don't really see that a lot and, and you don't see it pulled off well in the TV film setting. So it was just beautifully written, but mm-hmm. this, also, I think that's like a Flanaganism. <coughs> like that's, yeah. I think that's, that's like something that I've noticed in some of his other miniseries is, is that like, I think that's something that he does and like that's part of how he moves the story forward. But like, I think that his writing is really powerful and he writes really well. But I agree that there is something like, um, like there were moments where I was like, okay, like let's, let's keep it going. But it, I think theatrical is a great description for like what, what comes up in those, in those moments. Yeah, for sure. And so and this is, I, oh, go ahead. Oh, so I also just want to add, um, uh, with what you said, Nikisha, um, I think also key to that, um, especially for something like doubt or this, when you're casting the religious figure, what it's the priest, the pastor, whatever, Hamish Linklater is so engaging in these pulpit scenes, in the church oh, scenes that fantastic. like, and like, and, and that also that energy and that engagement in there, you need to believe that these people are not only devout, but also like, there's a reason for them to come back. Like he's such an energetic, it was just like that casting and his ability to do that. Similarly to like Philip Seymour Hoffman in doubt in terms of like his engage, when you're engaged in those, like as someone preaching to the literal, like, you know, uh, um, uh, uh, to the choir, con- congregation. <laughs> the congregation. I was yes. going to say that, but the congregation, like, yeah, yes. I just wanted to p- p- point that out too. Yeah. Uh, and and just with that, so this is the episode where we have the 
dog Pike that was poisoned after they mm-hmm. had, you know, the the they had the church gathering after the service mm-hmm. and. So we're getting pieces together of more of like who these people are. And that's when you really pay attention to Beverly Keen, who is like the priest's right-hand man, you know, and I put in here, I think she killed the dog with the rat killer. And then it's confirmed in, in the yeah, yeah. in the thing, but I definitely wrote this priest is acting and it's every single homily that is in every single episode. It's just like you said, so gripping and so engaging mm-hmm. that you understand why these people are following him. It's not like, Oh, something must be wrong with him. This is too to the right or whatever the case too extremist. No, he's so compelling, but also there's like a vulnerability. There's a genuine aspect to his nature. He still seems inviting. And you can just kind of go along with why some people were like, yeah, I'll follow you to the literal ends of the world. Mm -hmm. I did want to bring up, because this might be a a little bit longer of a conversation, but there's um, the the AA meetings that are happening in this episode. And so Mm -hmm. I just wanted to ask, because this was the first time that I heard about rational recovery and the addiction voice recognition technique. Can you talk up? Do you, do you know about those? Can you talk about those? Okay. <laughs> no, this is me shaking okay. my head for those because it's a podcast. No, I had never heard of those before. I mean, it definitely was interesting. Um, just kind of like talking through, like, I, I don't, I have experience working like within substance use work, but not really like AA specifically or um, yeah, or like any of these other types of um, strategies to address alcoholism. But um, it was definitely really interesting that it wasn't just the, the like kind of go-to AA type of, of like approach that they took something like a little bit different, which I think also is like in line with what, the themes are in the show too. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know anything about it. <laughs> well, I mean, just like in the context of it and looking and looking up, cause it's like, is this a real thing? Are they just making this up? But it is. And it just reminds me in my, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy that I take every week. Yay. It reminds me of like the, the inner critic in your mind, because basically the addiction voice recognition technique was, he basically was saying it's identifying the person that's saying they want the alcohol. It's not you, mm-hmm. it's somebody else. And once you separate that person from you, you can then control that voice in a sense. And so it just reminded me of like, you know, your inner critic that takes you down the slope, takes you down the spiral and trying to take the hold of that so that you can control those thoughts and, you know, whether you're, you know, following through with how you're feeling or you're telling it that it's false information, you know, all those things. But in just talking about that, that reminded me of my own uh, therapeutic (laughs) (laughs) experience. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, But any other thoughts? There's a lot, uh, there was a lot more continuation of exposition in this, but any other things in the episode that stood out to you guys? I I think this was the point where Brian and I kind of both looked at each other and decided that we, we kind of speculated what ended up being true, but this is where we guessed that, um, 
Father Paul was actually the Monsignor. And, mm-hmm. and like we, because, and part of it, part of kind of speaking to him being so engaging, as you were saying before, made me think of this is like, he already knew everyone's name. He knew everything about everyone. Like, of course he could have gotten that information from the Monsignor, but given that the Monsignor was also like very far along in his dementia, that would have been pretty impossible. Um, so I was like, there's no way that he like is able to speak to everybody and know so much about them in, in this way unless like it's actually this guy um which then i think we were like it makes sense with all the the um the makeup that the old makeup that people are wearing and and like maybe it's maybe it'll be a combo of the um flashbacks but yeah so so we guessed it early because we're smart yes yeah, but oh, also and- a, uh, a lot of the pictures of uh, the Monsignor uh, Pruitt, a lot of the, the 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 oil painting of him in the house, like they all just looked like young people with old makeup on. So mm-hmm. that also like helped us to like to do that. Um, yeah. But yeah, we definitely we definitely guessed it in this one, especially because and then and then um, the doctor says like at the picnic like he just keeps like so what was super smart about the show is that because she's a lesbian and has her partner on the or 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 a woman that she's dating on the island with her you think that the monsignor staring at her is because of the sin that he thinks he's doing so so you're not so we'll get into the that later on so you don't ever think that it's the same person. However, we, we definitely like felt something different there. So that was, um, that definitely, 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 um, struck us, but also brilliant kind of writing red herring type type stuff there. And there's so much of that within it. And we'll get into yeah. like the other, the mm-hmm. parts of that, but it's just so beautifully crafted that you get those pieces and then you're like, oh, okay, that's drawing my memory back to whatever, you know, all the foreshadowing. Also, this is the first episode where we see the, big miracle there are little things that are happening like riley's parents like his mom can now see better she doesn't need her glasses Mm -hmm. his dad's back is not hurting anymore but the big miracle is lisa and she was paralyzed but now she is walking did you guys have any idea like where that came from or any clues as to like what was going on as far as like how the miracles were happening or is it still just like this is insane well at that point there had been a comment earlier. We guessed that something was happening through the communion mm. Be, or not communion. Um, the, uh, what's it? No, uh, that's the know, communion. The, the body and blood. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Sorry. So because there had been multiple comments, how like, Oh father, we're out of this. Like, Oh, I'll get it. Like the wine or mm. like, uh, like previously. So, and, and also we were also thinking about, okay, like, there's a reason why Riley isn't why his dad told him not to not, you know, not to take it. So like Mm -hmm. we were trying to like, obviously he was telling him for one, he's an alcoholic. So he didn't want him to take it Two, He was telling him not to, because he didn't, he didn't, it was kind of also because like he didn't deserve it. He didn't earn it or whatnot. So like Mm -hmm. there was him not taking it. Plus you also, there were a lot of things in there, obviously. Um, But, uh, but it was still, a wildly effective scene, especially in the next episode when Riley is yelling at him. Like, I understand this. I understand that. But you, you weren't going to embarrass this girl. Like, how did you know? Um, uh, uh, 
Mm-hmm. That was a really effective sequence, especially the re- what made that moment better was not the tension of him like torturing this little girl in front of everyone, mm-hmm. but everyone's reactions from like horror, who is this man, to like true amazement in their eyes was just like a spectacular work of art. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, yeah, going into the second episode, so, or the, sorry, the third episode, it's Proverbs, and that literally just means wisdom and knowledge. So now everybody is, we're, we're gaining as an audience more understanding and wisdom of what's happening in time with the people in the congregation. We're getting more information about exactly what's going on, if we haven't guessed it <laughs> yet, mm-hmm. with everything. Because we're so smart. On. Y'all are smart. I was like, I don't know what is happening, but this is all <laughs> fantastic. And I'm just singing along to hymns. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm having a blast. <laughs> Near my God to um, thee. That's my jam. <laughs> um, I do. I, oh, sorry. No, go for it. Oh, no. I was just going to say, like, I know in the in the second episode, we get insight into, like, how Lisa was paralyzed by Joe and the beginning Mm. is when there's like the really intense confrontation, which like uh, I was like on the edge of my seat and it was so intense. And like, you could see, I mean, it was so powerful her like holding Joe accountable, holding him accountable for what he did by telling her story and like her sharing her narrative and her perspective was so empowering. And then like literally processing what that experience did to her and how much she hated him for it. But then also moving towards forgiveness. Like, I mean, it was, it was so intense and emotional, especially because like, obviously Joe was racked with guilt for, for this accident that he caused. And, you know, is this like self-loathing also alcoholic who is just like, like that is just his state of being. He's just like, hates himself like that is very clear and like her her going through this whole thing and him like sobbing in front of her and then she just she forgives him and then she leaves and he's like sobbing again like you see the impact that 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 has on him and like him actually thinking like okay maybe I'm like at this point where I need to like start to try to forgive myself for what I've done and like it just like so oh my god that scene was uh my my poor little empath heart was like so overwhelmed very much so but that's and that's like one of the central themes of just like forgiveness throughout the whole thing whether it's guilt and guilt and making amends or reconciling with yourself or with Mm -hmm. others you know however will give you peace and the extremes of coping mechanisms that people are using to try to find that peace is like one of the main things themes that was so enjoyable uh but Definitely some of the thoughts that I had in this episode, I mean, we're finding out, you know, Father uh, Paul, who is still Father Paul at this moment, like has a moment where he dies, quote unquote, we think, but then he comes back to life and, you know, we see his story with the angel and the sand dunes and all that stuff. So now, um, and I think this is the one where he's in the confession, like asking God to forgive forgive him Mm -hmm. for lying about everything, but knowing that it's for a greater purpose because he will eventually reveal the truth to everyone of what's happening. But right now he has to keep everything under wraps, you know, (laughs) as part of God's plan. Uh, Mm -hmm. So 
yeah, it's some, some key moments in that because I definitely did not think he was a younger Amon senior, but I was curious because I was curious and I want to know what you guys think of how soon Bev found out about everything because we don't really see when she finds out. We just see sure. that when shit is happening, that she's part of the process now. Like mm-hmm. the moments where she comes in and we think, oh, she's going to be finding this out with us, you know, or she's going to find this out now it's like no she already knew and there was one very tiny moment where uh bev was inside of the monsignor's house and she like looks over to the side but you never know what she's looking at so i guess mm-hmm. i'm assuming that it was the younger picture mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. Of, of, of him yeah that's when it happens 100%. okay right Yes, because it's not like fully fleshed out. It's just like she's, and I was like, what did she see? And I was like, oh, she saw yeah, the younger yeah. picture of him. And now she's mm-hmm. like, all right, I'm on board. You know, let's do this. <laughs> let's um, all get rejuvenated. So yeah. This episode also has the um, school scene where they're mm. talking about the Bibles and mm-hmm. um, handing out the Bibles in public school. Mm-hmm. Um, that scene made me so angry for multiple reasons <laughs> um, i mean good angry meaning like like you know i was very engaged in it like it uh, what made me the most angry about that scene and it, i mean it's we're already setting up her character because they also talk bev specifically they also talk about how like she took all that money um, she made she convinced people to take the settlement so they just put it back into the church and you know mm-hmm. Bev is obviously supposed to be a certain specific side of of religion all religions but specific to this one um, and and we'll talk more about that at the end when she has a certain confrontation <clears throat> uh, but but like her inability to listen because she already believes that she's always right was so mm-hmm. frustrating. And I found it fascinating to watch the other people in the room, either agree with her or not agree with her. Um, and like, and that like Aaron just had no power in that situation. Whereas I thought that the sheriff was making spectacular points and not only good points, but it, it's less about the points. Cause we already agreed with his points, but the way that right. he presented them and then like flipped it on her, like, well, if someone was giving out, you know, this there that like, I, I just, it was just infuriating. And I know that that was just to set up certain other things. Um, but like deeply infuriating that sequence was for sure. Yeah. But just great on the, I mean, the, the, the religious commentary all around is great, but like just having these conversations where, and one of my friends who was watching this too, it was like, where you're also they're also not preaching one way or the other to you yeah which is really nice they're just like giving you all sides of it but it's setting up for a a a, a grand thing that's outside of religion <laughs> itself like this show isn't about religion you know but it's just nice to hear how they're handling it with such delicacy and they're mm-hmm. not trying to persuade you one way or the other so it was really nice. Yeah. Something we didn't talk about, which I think is the best thing in this, is the first AA meeting between Riley and Father Paul. Um, mm. uh, or, or Because there's that conversation they have in that moment where they're talking about, like, alcohol is neither good nor bad. It's what the outside person 
takes from it and does to it. And I think that applies to this entire series. And that to me, that's the actual thesis statement of this. And like, you know, the, the it, religion is neither good nor bad. It's about what the individual takes. It, it, it's about the end the baggage being brought to it. The same thing with the community bringing to that. Um, and, and even the angel, the, you know, this whole time we have been told it's an angel um, and, 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 but, but this creature is neither good nor bad. We're just, we're defining it as an angel. Some people could define this character, this creature as the devil, some mm-hmm. as, as a demon. Some people could, could, you know, uh, define this creature as just a vampire. Like it's all about the context and the, who's bringing that narrative to the situation. And I thought that that like, just to me, that theme just kept popping up in every single episode and, and we'll get to it, especially at the end. Um, There's a lot of moments that, that really filter into that kind of point of view. Absolutely. Whatever is true to you, whatever you believe, you know, Mm -hmm. is is your truth is what's right for you. Uh, Great. Any other thoughts on the Proverbs episode? Mm -mm. And then shit hits the fan, literally in episode (laughs) four, Lamentations, which is just all of the yelling and screaming and things. So I saw (laughs) the title and I just put, oh shit, in my (laughs) notes because I knew it was going to be like the turning point of everything. I mean, things have already been happening. And now here we are. Erin loses her baby. She thinks it's a miscarriage, but it's having to do with everything with the communion that's being taken and people who are being quote unquote healed. Um, you know, we have Sarah, who's the doctor and she's Sarah, trying to get blood samples and for, for Aaron. And, you know, we're finding out about, things bur- the the blood you know bursting into flames in the sun uh so it's just a lot of a lot of things happening i'm trying to look through my notes and see what else was so also in this episode they have the conversation about what they believe death is um <clears throat> this is this is what father paul um starts to burn in the sunlight um mm-hmm. this is the first time that mildred recognizes him as pruitt Mm-hmm. Um, um, also this is when I was like, wait, is that LXSO from starry eyes? And, and, and uh, like, it took me a second to like realize, like, cause she's in the makeup. And I was like, oh shit, that's starry eyes. Oh gosh, that is, I was like, where do I know her from? But I didn't <laughs> yeah. look up anything cause I didn't want to accidentally see like a review or the rotten tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah, only yeah, until yeah. It, I think it was oh. like in that moment when you said that out loud and I was like, okay, I'm going to just look at the actors and no other information. Right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, oh, and this is also when when Riley Joe is died. killed. Okay. Yes, this is when Joe is killed, and then and then he figures out a lie that the priest has been telling him. So he goes back to the rec center, yeah. and then mm-hmm. that was. Sh- so let's talk about the end for a second. Sorry, this is episode four of seven. I was shocked that they would do this to Riley. I mean, I, I didn't mm-hmm. know what was going to happen, but like Dang. that was shocking also is this the episode with the jump scare that made me like poop myself when he turns the light on in the little boys room and the face is right there oh yes the sheriff with his son oh i don't know if it was this episode or not but that scared yeah 
I had to pause it too. I wanted to pause and see like if I could see the actual figures to see if that would give me a clue of like what was happening, like what was oh, going sure, on. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Because, you know, Flanagan be hiding ghosts in everywhere and all the places. So I was like, is this going to lead me to something else? But I literally put in my notes, I don't think that Riley's dead. He can't be. There's like more to do. Because <laughs> where does the narrative go if he's not there? Where does the story shift to? But... You know, things happen. They, find, they found a way. They, they found a way. <laughs> so just a lot a lot of death in this particular episode, like the death of the baby, the death of Joe, the death of Riley, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, but also more revelations of things, like you said, uh, Sarah's mom recognizing Pruitt for the first time. And uh, I, this was when I finally realized <laughs> that it was the communion that was like helping all these people. I was like, what is this sure. magic that's floating through <laughs> everything i was just mm-hmm. so engrossed in the story actually all in the homilies i was just like this is so fantastic this acting is spectacular i don't even really Everyone. understand what's happening but this acting is fantastic <laughs> there are no weak links in this no mm-hmm. <sighs> i think I this like also was movies, like oh sorry i just gonna quickly say i feel like in horror movies there's always a weak link because like of budget or whatever it is and like there's always like the director's friend who's just like in it for fun and there's nothing wrong with that but there's always like an acting weak link like this has never been the case with any of mike flanagan's things even like his earlier stuff all right sorry sorry Jamie. oh no i was just gonna say like when um, when the mayor and the handyman discover Joe's body and then Bev basically like orchestrates hiving Joe's body like that. I mean, it's the first of many scenes of Bev's where like she's so good, but like I'm like seething with rage <laughs> watching her, but she's so good at like at just being a fundamentalist and like picking and choosing whatever things work for her narrative to justify literally anything that she wants to do. But like, she's so good at it. And it's just, it's also wild to think about like how effectively people can like conjure up like, you know, uh, passages from the Bible and like, and be able to like, that's wild. But like, you really believe it. And like, and you see her believing it. Like that's how effective she is. Is like, she like just fully believes what she's saying in those moments and then is able to convince everyone around her of this and say like, you can't, it's okay that you don't feel guilty because this makes sense because X, Y, Z. And then like spews like five different quotes from the Bible to make it make sense in that, in that moment, like taken out of context. Of course you could say whatever you want. It's, it's like, it's, it's wild how easily she's able to do that. And like, like the, just the kind of person that she is. I, I hate her like seething hatred for her, but like, I think that just speaks to how good she is. Absolutely. Because I mean, she, she has an answer for everything. So of course she feels like she's right. Literally anything that people can say, she'll just draw the verses. And I was going to also comment on the fact that she has an expansive knowledge of the Bible. Like you literally memorize the thing from top to bottom because Mm -hmm. like also, and I think I put, and maybe not in this episode, one of the, one of the episodes, like hearing familiar verses, but like you said, Jamie, out of context to feed her narrative was just so genius, but that is something that is done 
all of the time. Like Mm -hmm. I, people like Bev, I grew up with people like Bev who will take whatever Bible verse to fit whatever they want to make it seem like they're right about a specific issue. And it's just amazing that it's never something that could be, uh, the verse can't, you know, condemn themselves. It's always condemning other people. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, she's just always going to be right because she always has an answer for something. So mm-hmm. of course, she, nothing that she says is wrong because everything is backed up by the Bible because the Bible is what it is, which mm-hmm. makes the other conversation back at the school and the upper, other episodes mm-hmm. so great because he's talking about the fact that we believe the same things, but the fact is, is that this has been translated over and over and changed over and over again by random men. So we honestly don't know what the true context of everything is. So you can't tell me that we're worshiping different people. Like we are worshiping the same ones. We just have different viewpoints about, uh, you know, things that you are taking into a different set of context and making it seem like it's something else when it's not. Mm -hmm. And that's also like, No, I was going to say the same exact thing that bring up the same exact conversation, because I think the other thing that's really effective about about Midnight Mass is that it's not it's not just um, criticizing. It's not just criticizing Catholicism. It's not just criticizing religion. It's really criticizing like extremists and fundamentalists and taking things to that, like very like intense level that is causing harm because you can say it about anything and and that there's still like there are still the characters who like who are who have faith who are who are religious but are not doing it to that degree and like and and I have more to say about that in later episodes too and that was like that was something I was concerned about because I was like you know is he gonna try to just say that like Catholicism is bad because like you know, been there, done that. Like we've seen that story before and like, that's not interesting to me, but like, I like this because like it is complex and it is so much about the individual perspective and like the individual connection that you have to religion, to your religion, to the meanings that you take away from this. It's so much about that meaning that we make and how one person can, I mean, the, the AA conversations, I don't remember if it's in this one or not, but like the conversations about like good versus bad and like that, the meanings that you can take from different things and how you can, you know, justify it for something good or, you know, excuse something that is bad. And, and it's just, I think that is what I loved about this whole series is that it's not just fully attacking religion or fully attacking Catholicism, not that I'm Catholic, but like just generally that it's like, focusing on like what happens when you take this to like the, the far lengths of extremism and like, where can it like cause so much more harm? Absolutely. And, or just taking things literally mm-hmm. when a lot of the times people were speaking, I mean, you know, like Jesus speaking in parables, you know, people were speaking in figurative language and people aren't taking that into consideration. They're taking literal text translation of a translation of a translation of a translation and thinking that it's the way to go. Mm-hmm. Beautiful things. Brian, do you have things to add? <laughs> uh, n- no, this was a great episode. I mean, this is when, I mean, this is when I really felt like whatever was plot was happening is going to happen. Um, also, like, it was really, yeah, I, I think it's the next, yeah, let's go to the next one because I have, I have a little more to say about the next one. Mm-hmm. Right. The only thing I'm going to say is episode five is gospel. Good news. Riley's not dead. 
take Woo. it away. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. Not well, dead. Was, not dead. Uh, I mean, something that was that like, I, you know, to be honest, forgot about, which I think Brian and I were talking about this too, is like this episode, I think started with, um, with Bill slash Bull's mom filing the missing persons or like encouraging the sheriff to actually follow up on Bill and basically saying like, you know, these, these devout Catholics are like saying that they're all these good people, but like really, you know, there's a lot more going on and, and kind of reinforcing that like, you know, the sheriff, even though he is this outsider and like is still definitely being treated like one, there's still elements where he has kind of been taken in by the community. Also something that we, that I didn't mention, but like in the second episode early on, the mayor makes a comment about like, you know, people needing to stick together on this Island. People like, you know, they're this unit. They're this like community that has to stay together. They don't want, they don't, you know, want outsiders. They don't want people to leave. They just want people to like stay there. And so I think it's interesting that like, even though the sheriff, still feels like an outsider in a lot of ways, you know, he's calling Bill Bull. Like that's like just like a small, you know, reflection of how he has been taken in the, by that community and kind of like already having his perception colored by, by this perspective of this like community on the Island. Yeah. Oh, also I want to call out from the second episode, how spectacular that one shot of them walking on the beach, picking, cleaning up the cats was. Oh, like, there were no, yes. No edits at all. That was awesome. None. Beautifully written. Brian, do you want to go into your spiel about this episode? Okay. So this episode is, I think one of my favorite episodes. Um, I think this episode is spectacular. It is deeply sad. Um, the mo- the moment in this this is act of the apostles right or is this gospel oh this is gospel no, this is gospel this is, gospel. This is the fifth one um yeah mm-hmm. um i think that this episode is so deeply sad for many and and really this is the episode that really satisfied me the most i think um i think that when um that the whole conversation that they're having in the when he's recovering um from everything when they when he when when the when father pruitt tells him the story of like replacing the mouse and then he and then they get into that whole thing where he's like stop bullshitting me like he you see the side of father pruitt that you've seen in mass um Mm -hmm. come out in that like meeting between the two of them and just like you know that the you know stop bullshitting me like like what are you actually feeling? And he's like, I'm jealous. I'm jealous that you killed this person and don't feel guilt where I just am racked with this guilt for something that I don't even remember doing. I was asleep at the wheel. Like I didn't even hit the brakes. Like that whole conversation, Zach Guilford is so good in this. And if you've never watched Friday Night Lights, you should, he's spectacular in that as well. Um, But like, this is, he's just that whole sequence is great and like when he lets him go you it's like he understands what he's what's happening he like gains a little bit of his faith back this like restores a little bit he he doesn't necessarily believe in catholicism but it restores his faith which is the important thing and then the end of this when he is talking with aaron and they bring him out on the boat and you just don't know what's going to happen and then you realize this is his dream you realize that like they're in the boat. And then he says that line where he's like, we're in the boat so that I can't run away. And she's like, what are you talking about? Like, this is a wild story. Like, let's say I did believe you, like whatever. And then 
<laughs> the moment where he's <clears throat> that moment when you realize what he's going to do, where he is going to wait out there until the sun, he needs her to see what's happening. And this is him repenting for what he did because by him giving his life and proving what is happening on this island, he gives his mom a chance, his dad a chance, everybody else a chance to survive what is happening or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, and that's his, by saving all of these people, that's his way of repenting and just giving himself for, that's his purpose. He found his purpose again. And, and then like, and that that beautiful moment where the where the sun rises and he sees the girl he killed, but then it immediately cuts to her screaming, and then we actually I, we actually watched most of the credits with her just like screaming over the credits was just like, uh, what a really, what a spectacular arc for a character, like he's our main character and we've got two episodes left. <laughs> like it was so so good like um like and the notes he writes mm-hmm. um like when he like that whole like I, mean, I think i think he brings him a note in the in the sixth one it's the next episode um, mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. but like there's just something and 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 the, is this also the episode oh the episode previous to this is where he his dad apologizes to him so like mm-hmm. a lot of things have happened already in this that i just like I don't know. This one really at home, especially after their death conversation, which we didn't yes. talk about. So he talks about death as just being like your body shuts down, your neurons shut down. Like this is science. It's just over. So you, a person who believes that it's just science and whatever, one, in my opinion, legacy is a big thing that comes into like, what do you leave behind? Because you are no longer here and you can't move forward. You're, yeah. You stop. So what is your legacy? And his legacy is the death of the of this woman like that. That's his legacy. So <clears throat> he talks about that. And then when she talks about it, she talks about it from the perspective of um, she talks about it from the perspective of her dead um, of her miscarried child. So mm-hmm. she's like, this is what I hope happens to my child. She doesn't say what she believes. Um, and you, you imagine some of that is intertwined with her or at least her beliefs of what that is changes based on the fact that like, this was her purpose. He said he didn't have one and she just lost her purpose. Like the reason she came back was, was to raise this kid and all that. And just those conversations feeding into him kind of like, being able to like reframe his narrative of death and like choose how he goes out was just like deeply sad and incredibly, incredibly beautiful. And also during this episode, Jamie and I were like, Oh no, like now she knows that not only did this, did the father kill, like have her miscarry because her body like was doing this, like we guess this, but also like, would also prove that is the fact that when she went off Island to have the doctor's appointment and it told her that like, she looked never was pregnant, like, man, <coughs> like a very, yeah. uh, we'll talk about another movie at another point <laughs> time, but like, <laughs> no, we'll just talk of, about like, I mean, I could talk about this episode forever. This episode like really did it for me. Absolutely. Like hitting home to the empaths, like Jamie said, like this was the one that hit home for me. 
because of how beautifully crafted it was on top of just, because it's also the fact that it's the same music happening in the background of this calm serenity and him accepting his fate and his, and redefining his purpose of saying like, even though my legacy might be, I did this, I know, and I've reconciled within myself that in doing this and killing myself, I'm helping, you know, my family, hopefully survive whatever is going to happen. And so he's at peace with himself. And so you have all this calming music and then the juxtaposition of transitioning into Aaron screaming on top of that. It's just so heartbreaking, so gut-wrenching. Also just the cinematography of that moment was beautifully crafted because we know what's going to happen. And the fact that we don't get that immediate gratification of him burning up in the flames, it's like, no, you get the sweet side of it. You're going to see what he sees. You're going to see, like Brian was saying, the narrative has changed. And now because Aaron was talking about, she hopes that when she dies, you know, the memories of everything that you've done and the good moments of your life are going to be coming up. And so now, even though we might not have a good moment, he has this like peace and reconciliation of now he's in a better place with this girl. And then Jamie is there left to, you know, process what is happening and also try to like change her narrative. And a lot of this. Ooh, Aaron. Ooh, Aaron? Yeah, Aaron. Yes. Oh, you now, said me. And I was like, oh, oh no. We <laughs> just needed to win it. Sorry, <laughs> But Aaron is like her purpose, like, and, and purpose is also a big part of this because what people <laughs> are asking their purpose and then what it actually ends up being because they chose it to be whether or whether they chose it to be or because of the circumstances led them to make the decisions, you know, or push them in a certain direction. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just nice to see that kind of character arc with, with everyone. And, in, and to have that character arc in just seven episodes with all of these different people. And like Brian said, it was just very satis- satisfying to, mm-hmm. to have that ending, even though it was... <laughs> Not wrenching. Yeah. This was also the episode where the father uh, or where the uh, Monsignor gave that like really aggressive sermon. And like, I, I guess like his sermons oh, welcome to my were army. kind of, yeah, he's talking about like being soldiers in God's army and like, I guess signaling this like escalation in, in, yes. you know, what he's preaching. And that's also where Mildred is like visibly upset and like leaves and is like, oh, never mm-hmm. come back here ever again. Right. Um, yeah. This and, is the first midnight mass. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And oh, it's I, the title. <laughs> <laughs> I, yes. I, I want to come back to this when we get to the end, but mm-hmm. I just wanted to make a note that like that happened. Okay. About Mildred. Okay. Great. About Mildred um, and about like his very aggressive uh, homily. Awesome. So now we're into episode six and the army is being formed on both sides. Acts of the apostles. I also had to look up um, because I'm a bad Christian. I was like, let me, what's the difference between a disciple and apostles? Because like they're interchanged a lot just in general. Uh, mm. in general I mean, we Googled about, like, the difference between Catholicism and Christianity. So you're, you're fine. <laughs> <There> you <go. laughs> uh, but yes, if you didn't know, so a disciple is a student, but an apostle is the one that actually goes out and spreads the news. So acts of the apostles, 
not only are you having the army of Monsignor trying to spread the news of what's happening there, but now you have mm-hmm. Aaron, the juxtaposition of that, and she's forming her army trying to spread the news of what's going on with, or what just happened with Riley and what he told her. Mm-hmm. And I want to say it might be this episode or it might be the next episode, but it was very heartbreaking when Aaron was trying to tell Riley's mom that oh. he, maybe that was the last episode. Um, no, but, this is this. Episode. No, it was this one. Was this one? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is when did, they try to go off the Island and yeah. It's this oh, one. It's yes. This one. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So now you can see the sides like clearly forming of who's going where um, and the, the army that's happening. But yes, let's talk about all, all of that. What are Dumbledore's your thoughts? army? army yes oh and Um, i do want to say like sorry quick thing because i also thought it was beautiful that the foreshadowing of riley's death being back to dust and then the ash wednesday the ash wednesday service yeah yeah yeah. so when oh my god the note yes and it was before he got the note so i was really happy i was like oh my god the foreshadowing of back to dust and then the note said you know from dust we came and dust we go whatever the the quote is and i was like this is so fucking good this is so good (laughs) um let's see uh i mean i really like that in in aaron like you know, coming together with others, there isn't like that ongoing resistance, like the way that they come together, I think is really interesting and kind of talking. I like how, um, the doctor, how Sarah is like, that would be fucking bonkers within it. As she's like showing all of their blood samples, like burning into and setting off the fire alarms. Like there could be this, like, no one's going to believe you, but there's just like enough, even though it's crazy, there's just enough to be like, Oh no, I, I think I, believe what's what you're saying like we have no other reason to not believe in like it's also crazy just because it's like you know they're in this they're on this isolated island like in theory they can believe whatever they want to believe which is kind of what's happening anyway so so who's to say that 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 this isn't actually happening yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i also like you know usually it's the ones it's usually it's you think that the um the religious people are cuckoo and there's a um there's a scientific explanation for it and in this one like they're struggling to come up with a scientific reason for it and i appreciated that to kind of show the other side because us as the audience member knows this is like vampire bat angel hanging out around literally whereas like (laughs) she's like well i've read about things with like blood viruses where like it's i i really appreciated them thinking on that side of the coin if that makes sense also on the same vein even though there are extremes there are people that are living in the gray area of it so i would Mm -hmm. say like the mayor Mm -hmm. and his wife are living in kind of the gray area of it more so on the side of you know the priest but because they had the miracle with their daughter they're like okay, you know, this is real and we want to sincerely help people. So they're going to follow him to the ends, but there also still isn't a sense of like, they're not on Bev's level, you know, of, mm-hmm. of crazy, mm-hmm. <laughs> of, you know, extremists, not crazy. Yeah. Extremists. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's nice to see that there's different levels all across the board of, of how people are reacting, how people are responding. And I also just love that some of the, 
even though all this is happening, it's still not shaking some people's beliefs or what they believe are true, especially with, um, Lisa. And I think this, this is in the last episode, but just the fact that she's still like praying that her parents are okay, even though mm-hmm. she's seen all of the crazy, all of the insane things that, have, that you cannot explain. And she's a product of, of this stuff that is happening. She's still holding on to the, the core belief of it all and not the extreme nature of it all, which was very beautiful to see. Yes. That was, that was like what I was saying earlier, where I was glad that again, it's not just like a full on hundred percent rejection of their religious beliefs, but that like, there are like, again, it doesn't have to be extreme. There are still the elements that like are, are there that, that hold value and like that you can continue to have faith and it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be like all, bad right and also (coughs) sorry i didn't mean to interrupt no no no, go ahead go i mean some other things that happened this episode that really when um when everyone is uh walk so so the so um they get they they cut all the power also there's that so let's take a step back there's that so sarah Aaron and um, Mildred are all working together. And then there's that powerful scene when Sarah goes to the sheriff and he talks about his experiences in the police force after 9-11. Um, that like gives us a little bit more information about that. And then he, and then this is also in on the heels of his son wanting to and going to um, uh, the mass church. and just seeing more the church and seeing what it's more about. So he's spectacular in this show. Um, as, as he was also in Bly Manor. Um, but, um, I just thought and it I was zombie. Th- th- and I zombie, uh, <laughs> just really, really, really well executed and really good. Um, and that just added a lot of color to like what we're seeing. And then also, you know, the Chekhov's, the, the Chekhov's gun situation where she's like, yeah, you do, you sure you don't carry a gun? Like that whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. so that was happening. Then you have everybody going to the church because the power has been cut. The boats have been messed with and the cell tower was taken offline. So they're really isolated at this point and all they have is each other. And I, I refer back to the religion is not good or bad. It's what you do with it. And I think that, that sequence, that gorgeous sequence of all of them singing by candlelight, marching to the church. The church is gorgeous, like with all these candles. It's all context because that scene to us is terrifying. And the ambiance is scary because it feels like this cult. It feels like, you know, like, um, but on the flip side, like if you, if, if you change the music or you change the circumstance and use the same footage, it's just this gorgeous community coming together to celebrate the thing they all believe in together. Um, like, like it was, it was, it was both beautiful and unsettling all at the same time. And I really appreciated that. Um, and then I really liked the reveal of everything at the end of the episode. People were just like, you heard some gasps when he said he was Father Pruitt. And then, and then, and then, and, but people were still like thinking it through, like, what the hell? And then he took, what's his name, took the rat poison and then like came back. And that's when people started like totally freak out. And Jamie and I were talking about like, is the final midnight mass the one that we assume is coming similar to the storm going to be the last episode or is it the end of this episode? And of course it was the end of this episode. Um, but, um, 
man, that whole sequence was just so beautifully shot. It was very clear about what was happening and why people were doing certain things, um, mm-hmm. which I feel like a lot of movies and horror movies get convoluted at the end of it, but also make people do things outside of the reason they're doing them just to get the plot. But I feel like nobody did anything at the end of, the, we're talking about episode six um, right now that felt out of character for everybody else. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I agree with that. I mean, uh, when because this is the moment where everybody is is deciding if they want to take the poison or not and then they're waking up and attacking the people who did not you know take the poison and all the things and my only question was just because in that moment we see the sheriff like shoot uh, monsignor and we see bev trying to figure out what do we need to do next and the Sturge is like, okay, what do we do? She's like, open the doors. And he was like, wait, we're not supposed to. She's the Monsignor is like down on the ground and can't talk. And I was just trying to see at what moment, like what was the thing that made the Monsignor change his mind and realize we went off course. And the, and I guess you see it more in the next episode, but in that moment yeah. for the rest yeah. of it, I was kind of like, this seems like too much of a, uh, a changeover of like, Oh, now shit has really hit the fan. It's like, shit has already hit the fan. Like you've mm-hmm. already went to, you know, the complete, you can't go any more further right than you have gone. Like there's just wall there. Like you can't move. And so just a, a tiny bit of, I was like, I, I don't, I don't understand how he quickly changed you know, into, okay, now this is bad. I mean, there are other things like in the last episode with like his relationship with Mildred and, you know, Sarah mm-hmm. and, and all of that, that kind of come into play and you're like, okay, yeah, now we get it. But it was just a little quick for me in that moment when he comes back to life, uh, when everybody is feeding off each other that he's like, oh, we did it. But that's in the last mm-hmm. episode. That's not in this one. Oh, it is? Okay. Well, either way, in that moment, it felt quick. The end of this one... The end of this one is he gets shot in the head by Mildred. Mildred is taken away. They shoot Bev in the back after she opens the doors mm-hmm. to get there five minutes, and then they escape. So he doesn't actually wake up because he's when Bev says open the door, mm-hmm. he's like struggling to say something, and it seems like he's he's telling them to not do it. Um, right. Yeah. That, I, but in the but I think what you're referring to is really in the last episode. Um, okay. Well, when he, I think, I think so. It's a good segue. Yeah, we well, can get yeah. into it. <laughs> yeah, the last and I literally at the end of um, of episode six, I, I said to myself, the episode, the last episode has to be named Revelation. And then I looked and I was like, yes, it is because like, yes, of all the things, I was very happy that I was right. This is like uh, yes. So we get into the the everything is revealed the finale of everything the last book of the bible so obviously the last part of the uh episode we're trying to tie up loose ends literally kept so my theory into how they could beat the you know beings the reborn quote-unquote people would be a recall to when the cats were washed up on the shore and they said put them all in a pile and burn them and mm-hmm. so I was like, oh, they just, they just, they just put them all, try to like shoot them and get their five minutes, put them in a pile and like burn them. But then throughout the episode, we see that the burning is, you know, actually Bev's idea, which was pretty genius. 
And now she's like quoting her Bible verse that says, you know, the faithful will come out of the fire. So now let's just burn everything down. But the people who are supposed to survive it, the ones who are most faithful will come out and we can just live our, you know, Puritan dreams and lives, Mm -hmm. Um, which was not the case because everyone burned everything down and now they have to just face, they don't have anywhere to hide and they'll have to face the, the sunlight. But yeah, just going in with, the, the priest we find out in this episode as well, of course, we feel that there's something happening with Mildred and the Monsignor, but now we find out mm-hmm. that Sarah is actually his daughter, you know, um, Mildred didn't want to ruin her family's life and ruin Monsignor's life. So she just kept everything secret. And what another foreshadowing moment that I thought was brilliant was when Sarah was talking to her mom, when Mildred was trying to first coming to and, and getting her mind back. And so Sarah would yes. ask her questions. And when she asked who my father is, there was a hesitancy in yeah. Mildred. she gave that answer. And I was like, this the writing, the writing and the acting is so fantastic. This is so great. All these callbacks and everything connecting together. And I also feel like in a lot of horror movies in general, you don't get this attention to detail that mm-hmm. makes it work. And I feel like the for me, what made this work is just the attention to detail. Like there is no um, stone left unturned as far as things and, and whatever is your thoughts about how things ended or, you know, if the kids made or whatever, that can be your own interpretation of it. But at the end of the day, like the story that they wanted to tell, they made sure all the loose ends were tied up very well. Mm-hmm. I thought. On that. Yeah. I think that a couple of things that really stood out to me are um, that the only people that survived were the young people who can take what they learned and experienced and decide what they want to do with it. Kind of, you know, this idea that like, nothing lasts forever and things are passed down from people to people. And again, nothing is good or bad. It's about the experiences that you bring to it. So like, you know, the fate of the future of belief and is, is, is on the people that are younger than us. Um, I thought that Bev, I think a lot to me, this also says that like religion can be ruined by the one bag egg in the community. Like literally Bev brought the whole community down and killed the entire community because of Mm -hmm. her own self-righteousness. And because Mm -hmm. she just, you know, again, her ability to pull random quotes from the Bible passages also was her undoing because like, that's all like, because, because of that, I thought that Howard scene where she wouldn't let Howie into the rec center. um, Oh my God. That like destroyed me. (laughs) (sighs) um i also think that that in we'll get more into this but another foreshadowing was erin talking about how her mom used to clip the wings of the bird she bought and so like that's that's what she that's what she did to the angel demon um the vampire also just the idea that like you know on the dl like all of these people are trapped in this island like vampire eating each other zombie eating each other whatever you want to categorize it as as an analogy to like spreading like religion can spread beautifully or religion can spread like a virus and like Mm -hmm. just like that idea of like you trying to keep it contained was just like really really i mean worked really well and then um and uh and then the one stone that was kind of unturned, not unturned, was like, we never actually see the demon die. 
um, even though we see all the, 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 what's it called? The ashes come down. So we assume that, but I think part of that also is like the, the, the ambiguity in that is like, like, yeah, it was stopped here, but like this, like this doesn't stop here. Like, like maybe the, the supernatural element of this, but like this is going to happen in millions of other towns, not because there's a demon there, but because like there's Bev there, but there's also people like, like O'Reilly or like, and I'll, I'm going to leave this to Jamie because I know that she she loved this, like um, Riley's parents, Ed and Annie. Like mm-hmm. there are people on the other side of that, like the moment where she steps out of the house to protect them. I know Jamie loved that. Oh man, I love that confrontation between Riley's mom and Bev and just calling out Bev for her bullshit and saying like, you hate that God loves you and Riley equally. Like who is Bev to decide, you know, like what role does Bev have in like knowing who God loves more or less like that? And like that, the idea that like, you know, what is actually more closely you know, within the Bible is like, God loves everyone, right? Like that's, that's what the message is. But Bev's like twisted perception is that like, no, like I'm closer to God because like I do things this way. And like, that makes me better. And Bev and, and Riley's mom basically saying like, no. And like (laughs) you're, and then the fact that she, um, you know, makes the comment earlier about like whether we need the knives for and then sacrifices herself, I think is also really, really incredible. But also like, you know, about the five minutes again and like gives a few more moments to allow folks to escape. And also I think it says something that like she doesn't actually let Bev kill her. She's like doing it on her own terms. Um, but Absolutely. then later, later when she comes back and finds um, finds her husband ET, yes. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, the the again like there's that sentiment of like you know her reflecting like oh my god like I know I'm so hungry but like I, I see all these people is that is that like what we're about to be is that what this is and he's like no like I I've seen them doing that but like you just have to resist it. Like you don't have to be like them. And like that too was just like, so incredible. It's like, they have this like deep, deep hunger within them, but like, you don't have to succumb to that. Like you can choose to rise above it. And like, that was so powerful. And then obviously like them, them singing at the end was, was beautiful. And again, like reinforcing that they still have their faith. They still have their belief, despite all of this, all of this that's happening that like the faith is still there. And so again, it's like, faith can still be something that's beautiful. And I think this was a beautiful scene. Um, and then you also have, um, you also have the sheriff and his son reconciling. And well, before we even get to that, um, they, there's like all of these efforts of the, the two armies that, that we were talking about earlier colliding. And, um, basically as Bev has destroyed every building on the Island, um, with the exception of the church and the community rec center, um, the opposing group of errands has destroyed all of the boats because even though they don't have the ability to leave yet, the plan is for them to leave the next evening um, so that they can continue to, you know, spread the gospel, AKA eat more people. Um, right. So they destroy the boats. Then the, um, then Sarah goes to burn down the church, um, and the, and the Monsignor 
like sees it happening. And in that moment is like, because he is rejecting everything that's now happening, which again, I'm going to come back to this because I don't have a problem with him now being good, but I have a problem with like the quick turnaround um, is he agrees with, with, um, with Sarah and is like, yes, let's burn it down. And then, oh, gets shot. And like, oh my God, I was, I was honestly like crying. Like I was like sobbing watching this. I, I was a mess. Um, that was so upsetting. And I was just like, I was just so upset between between Sarah dying and that poor guy being rejected from the rec center. And then um, and then the sheriff and Aaron, you know, attempting to burn down the rec center. They both get stopped. They're both mortally wounded. And then the sheriff's son <laughs> finally lights fire to the rec center. So now every building has officially been destroyed and there is no hope. There's no hope for anyone with the exception of the young people you know, that's, that's where they left off. But I think going back to that piece around like the Island, it's like, I had, I, it took me like a day or two later to reflect. And I was like, I was like, Brian, they were never going to make it off this Island because I think that's like where you start, right? Like it all comes full Mm -hmm. circle because you have Riley who attempted to leave the Island and then ended up in this horrible tragedy and then ends up back on the Island. You have Erin who runs away when she's a kid who ends up experiencing a life of trauma and then ends up back on the Island. They both end up dying all of the adults die. There's no hope for anybody. But I think it's like, again, this the, something about this island where like they can never leave because they have to stay together. But like they all end up together dead, unfortunately. But like they still kind of remain that that community. It's just like it's really sad because I was like, oh, I was like really hoping that they would escape. But like they they were never going to escape. There was there was no way that was ever going to happen because like they were never going to be able to leave the island. They already had their chance and, and it didn't work. And so like I yeah, like that's like very it makes me sad. And the fact that regardless of how they died, all those people in that community knew that they were going to die on that island, whether oh. it was from mm-hmm. old you know, like they set their roots there. So mm-hmm. even though the death happened a little bit early and not how they might have expected it to, that was how they were going to go death at the Island. That is what was going to happen regardless. That was in the cars for them regardless. And I do uh, want to point out in that transitional period that one of the lines with the turning point of the Monsignor that was great is when Bev was rejecting everyone. And then he just yells like, everybody just come into the church, like all have to be welcomed or this isn't God's house, you know? Mm-hmm. So like this, everybody There's has to be welcomed or this isn't. Does yes. he have the line where it's like, I don't remember it exactly, but it was really beautiful where he was like, I think he, maybe this is the scene where he yells at Bev where it's like, it's never about, it's never about us. It's always about God. And like, yes. like, mm-hmm. like, is this the scene you're talking yeah. about? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. That was so beautiful that what I really liked about the Monsignor character is through it all, it was never about him ever. And even in the darkest of moments when he's yelling at Riley or whatever, like it is never, ever, ever, ever about him. Except, except, right. Except the whole fucking thing. And that is what gets me pissed the, and and again I love I loved this whole series I'm I'm so into it and I will highly recommend it however 
like an episode. He's preaching about God's army. He's talking about like he I mean, essentially, he has like fully convinced himself of of this idea, but then realizes at the end that like, no, he just did it all for Mildred. And I'm just like, wait, what? And, And I love I do love how she's like. No, like, no, I, I lived my life. You lived your life. Like his, his selfish belief was that he would have a second chance with Mildred. And that is why he was like, I realize that I can live again and like do it all over and like be eternal. And I want, I want my, I want my people in quotes. I want the, I want to do, bring this back to my Island and save them as well. Quotes. But really it was about, saving Mildred and getting to have a second chance with her. And I love how she was like, what? I was saying, that's why the shit didn't work because it wasn't for God. It It wasn't for God. And that, like, I think it was like that moment of like that self-reflection for him and why he was like so horrified by everything because like, but I was still annoyed because it was just, I mean, I guess that's the point, (laughs) but I was like, oh, like you, you're so selfish. You're so selfish and it's infuriating, but like he, he really is no different from Bev. He just presented it in like a much more like in a way that is more digestible for us because like he, you, you see him making sense of all of it and justifying all of his actions in the same way as Bev. But like, obviously she's like outwardly evil and, and terrible. And he's, he's, you know, seemingly doing it for good, but the reality is he's doing it all for selfish reasons. And it's, it just, it's, I am angry. <laughs> do you, do you think that reveal or him saying that, undercut a lot of what this show was kind trying to do or do you think that fed into the thematic elements of it i think that i think it feeds into it because it is about it's still about the meaning that you make like that's still so much of it and i think he he I think that he deluded himself to believe this meaning that he made that he was trying to save his town. But I think mm-hmm. that I think once he realized and, and part of me wonders if it was both him getting shot and the and the angel taking Mildred like that happened all at once. And I think that was the moment where he was like, oh, well, I never intended for Mildred to get hurt. I never like the fact that she's shooting me makes me realize like maybe there's something wrong here. But like, I don't fully understand like the God's army thing does not fully make sense to me because it didn't seem so extremist like I feel like just before that, like, and I don't know if that's him again, just diluting himself to, and it's like slowly getting to that point naturally, but I, I just didn't get this. Or maybe it's like Bev adding fuel to the fire and like her just like, because she's so, because she's so extreme that that's like kind of reinforcing this sense that like, oh, we have to like spread, we have to spread this gospel. We have to share this knowledge. But then at that point too, it's not about the islands. Like it's not about his people. It's, it's something different. So it's like, are you, are you just like, 
believing your own lies to justify it to yourself because that's the meaning that you're trying to take away from this like you don't want you don't want to feel guilty for killing joe you don't want to feel guilty for you know now now riley is a part of this you don't want to feel guilty for like you've gotten the whole town involved in this you don't want to feel guilty for encouraging the town to poison themselves like all these things that you're saying and trying to justify so that you avoid feeling guilt but the thing and this is like not him but the part that really also upset me in my like mid sob was when the other um the other uh altar boy I was like what is it called youth youth person um when the other altar boy reflects to the handyman is like I think I killed my mom and then and then the handyman's like yeah I think I did a bunch of like not good things. And it's like, Oh, they're feeling guilt. Like uh, before no one was feeling guilt because, because Bev was, you know, justifying it, but like now they're feeling guilt. And so like everything that he was saying, everything that the father, that the Monsignor was saying was bullshit anyway, because like, no, there's still the guilt there. Once you stop, you know, lying to yourself, like there is the guilt. And, and I think that, guilt I I can't remember if we talked about this in like a previous episode but like how guilt can be guilt is a thing that like enables us to create change and 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 strive towards something better where like shame shame is something that I don't think serves us as much but like guilt I think has has more of a purpose and can serve us into like towards like being good people and so like denying that guilt I think is is like scary for for a lot of these situations that they're talking about in this because like are like they're they're trying to justify that they're doing good things but like they're really not they're like cherry picking verses from the bible to justify bad things that they're doing and so like i think finally when they're feeling that guilt and that remorse for their actions like that's that is them kind of coming back to like you know the original faith and like purpose of all of this not not the stuff that like bev was spewing but yeah anyway i mean i just like went on a crazy rant no but that's all no, the great is. things like <laughs> i mean i was just gonna say really quickly because that's what makes the aa meeting when monsignor was saying stop bullshitting me because he's not saying that to riley he's actually really saying that to himself because he is bullshitting himself to believe yeah, that totally. what he is doing is okay. And that's also an example when even with the Joe situation, he didn't want to do it. He was resisting it the whole time. So he was going to, he was having like reservations about like, I don't want to be killing this, but Mm -hmm. now that it's already happened and now that we're here, let me just pile on some miracles and just help other people to kind of undercut the fact that I just did this, Mm -hmm. that I didn't really want to do, but was tempted to do because of whatever hunger that was inside of him. And so he's literally just like trying to, he's bullshitting himself into thinking that everything is okay, which I Mm -hmm. think in talking through that makes the whole through line more clearer to me. Cause like you said, Jamie, like the, the turnaround was a little quick for him, but even just in you saying that I was like, okay, well now it's the, there's other key points that make it make sense to me. Mm -hmm. Oh, and the fear, we didn't even talk about like the, 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 fear conversation because like at the end Bev clearly dies in fear she's trying not to like when everyone when the sun comes up and everyone dies um but like Bev is clearly trying to like dig a hole to prevent herself from also um 
immolating and, and is like definitely fearful of death. And, um, and now I'm forgetting like, um, the conversation about fear that he was talking about earlier. The priest talks a lot about fear and how fear is a natural response. And like you feed off of that, like the idea that, you know, when when Jesus was unveiled um, during the on the resurrection on Easter, like people were afraid when when Moses saw the burning bush that started with fear. And so he talks about all of that. And, and, and fear is a lot in here, but one of the most, be- and, and, and that fear, that pulse that they can feel, they can hear is kind of what they feed on. And he talks a little bit about that. And there's more intricacies to that as well. But when Riley is sitting in the boat with, um, with Aaron, the first thing she says to him is like, I'm not afraid. I'm not a fearful of you. There's no fear here. I will help you. Whatever it takes, I will do it for you. And like, I, that was just like, just like her showing that level of comfort that no fear and which is totally genuine one allowed him to like keep going, but also completely contradicted exactly what Pruitt said to him, which I think like justified his decision more. And obviously thematically was really important and, and pretty um, astute. Yeah, and then you have the fear of people who didn't want to take the rat poison as opposed to yeah, other people. Yeah, totally. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm here for it. I, I have the faith enough to say, you know, I'll let this happen to me because I know that I would be better on the other side. But there were still people who were like, no, this is not for me. And then there's also a theme of, you know, God being a fearful being and so following him out of fear as opposed to real devotion. And so there's some, you know, aspects of, of that, like maybe some people are just like, people don't want to speak up against Bev because, you know, whatever reason, but they're also afraid of what she's going to say or what she's going to do or whatever, you know, um, cause you know, she's out here killing dogs and all these things with rat poison. So hmm. they're just, you know, the, the fear aspect of religion and, and I loved, um, the, the idea that they never, they call this an angel, but how he's presented, you know, some people do can, some people in the congregation did see him as an angel, but some were fearful of him. And then the, the references in the Bible of every time a human saw an angel, they were fearful of that. Yeah, being. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was really cool. Cause you, in when you speak of angels, you know, that's not the image that you see is in no, this right. show. But in the Bible, it does say, you know, whatever, if it's literal or not, that it's, you know, everyone was fearful of these beings. So what does that mean? What do they look like if people are fearful of them? So I thought this was a great representation of those verses. Yeah. Any last thoughts on this? We spoke a, a well, lot. About- <laughs> I want to I hear more from you about how you, I mean, I, I loved it. I think it's one of my favorite things ever. Um, I mean, like, I mean, what a, oh, we didn't even talk about like when she's about to die, Aaron, and then she's put back on the couch and actually speaks about what she now believes death is. And that Mm -hmm. like God is death is, you know, you give your energy back into the universe and like God is all the pebbles on the sand and God is in all of that. And I just thought that was so, to me, that's what made this even more personal because that was Mike Flanagan stating his opinion with his wife actually saying those words. And I think that was really beautiful. Um, 
And I think that, uh, again, that's just one opinion that it's not, that's, he never presents anything as the answer. He, he presents that as that person's opinion. Um, we just, but also him as the filmmaker puts it front and center because that is how, obviously how he feels as well. But you know, if if he wanted to that to be the only answer, he wouldn't have had the beautiful scene where Riley's parents start to sing the hymn as oh. they know they're going to die. Like, like they're you know, there's they're all on the spectrum of different things, but that. But I want to ask you, as somebody who is, how did this make you feel as somebody who grew up in this environment, um, still practices like like still has these attachments and like. Like, like, you know, I feel like nostalgia tied in with belief, tied in with faith. Like, like, tell us a little bit about your experience, like emotionally going through this. Yeah. And I'll be really quick about it because that is a very long conversation because I definitely (laughs) felt all of the emotions, especially the nostalgia, because I am not Catholic, but I went to a Catholic private school, kindergarten through eighth grade, but I've been in the church, Christian church setting my whole life. And so seeing something like this in the back of my mind, you think, oh, this is another like stab at Christianity. Like I know what this is going to be because, you know, there are definitely all of these factors with people that are like Bev, that are extremists that I have, like I said, I grew up with and I know people who are like this and who would just, you know, walk the, the ends of the earth for something that is so nuanced but because people want a definitive answer, they will follow whatever will give them that definitive answer. So in watching this, to see it all unfold in a way that, like I stated before, my friend was like, it's not telling you specifically which way to go. It helped me just to see what is the bigger picture of what he's trying to say. And so for me, this whole theme is or this whole show the main theme for me was reconciliation which is one of like I said one of the sacraments uh in catholicism and basically it's just how to be at peace again is what reconciliation is so everyone in this show is trying to find their peace again trying to find their purpose again in whatever extreme coping mechanisms or ways that they do that you know it's it's whatever their individual choice was but I just love that at the end of it, it was like, whatever is, is true to you is the truth for you. It's not necessarily like this is bad and this is good. Like we talk about, there's like gray areas all around. Obviously there are definite um, things that people did wrong <laughs> for killing people. And that's not, you know, and, and that also was a thing to me that I was like, why is nobody bringing up those verses of like, that's one of the 10 commandments like thou shall not kill nobody is talking about that we're yeah. just servicing these verses like jamie said for other purposes but again that's uh, all of this all of that that i was experiencing is nothing new but what i took away from it was the general theme of it and i appreciated that he was not stomping on any particular religion it was mostly just about how are we as individuals as a community as a family trying to be at peace again with all of this guilt with all of this fear with all of the things that we've experienced in this life and so that was the more relatable thing and then just the added like hymns and stuff that was the nostalgia was like the added icing on the cake for me so yeah sure it's great (laughs) should we do rotten tomatoes It's the Rotten Tomatoes game. 
A hundred percent. One twenty thousand percent. I'm going to say a hundred percent. This is incredible. I'm going to say 98. I'm so sure there's a, like one grumpy it's a, person. It's, it's a 92%. Oh, bust. Oh. So two grumpy people. <laughs> yeah. And the uh, the critics' consensus is an ambitious mediation. Oh, excuse me. No, that's not what it says. An ambitious <laughs> meditation uh, on grief and faith that is as gorgeous as it is unsettling. Midnight Mass's slow boil is a triumph of terror that will leave viewers shaking and thinking long after the credits roll. I am. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm thinking more than I'm shaking. Well, definitely thinking. It's just so cool that Flanagan used religion as a vessel for all of these themes mm-hmm. that it's, it's not, you know, like we said, it's not really about like the religion itself. It's about so much more, but this is, we're just choosing religion as a vessel to tell these stories. And it's beautiful, beautiful to watch as someone who has experienced Catholicism and as someone who is a Christian, like having all these themes intertwined with life, it's just nice to have this kind of perspective. Also, I wrote in one of my notes, like Jesus and horror, like this is my bag. This is what I need. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's do the four S's. Scare, shakes, and suggestions. The talking horns for S's. <laughs> so we have skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. Um, Jamie, let's start with you for skulls. Um, I'm gonna give this like a nine. I think, um, I, yeah, like it's just very thoughtful and intentional and um, and like the visuals, I think, are really good representation of um, of like reality. I think it's it's demonstrating things like very effectively. I love it. Ditto, Jamie, with the nine. Yes. Nines for me. Uh, I'm going to go 10. Uh, Like, this is just like, you know, this is the type of breakdown that I always, that I like, that I want. And I just think that they totally did it. Uh, Scares, Jamie. Um, I think I'm going to give it a four. Um, cause it wasn't very scary. I think the only time I jumped was when Brian screamed when the creature was in the window and Brian scared the crap out of me. And then I yelled at him. Um, um, but I think there's like, like, uh, it's definitely kind, like can be like a slow burn. There's a lot of just tension building. Um, so while you might not get the jump scares, there's still that underlying, like, what's going to happen? Like, where are they going with this? Like, what do they know? What don't they know yet? Um, so not, like, overly spooky. So I think a four. Sure. Nikisha? 
I am going to give it an eight and not because it was jump scare scary, but just because the religious extremist aspect was just very unsettling. Maybe that's more in the shakes department, but I'm still going to stick with my answer with an eight. <laughs> you stick with your answer. Stick with the I'm going to go, I'm going to go 6.5. Um, definitely jump scares, especially in the first couple of episodes. Um, and then just like, a lot of the ambiance, like really, like I was just like I was definitely biting my nails and clenching most of the time. <laughs> oh yeah, that score is phenomenal. Also, I just want to say them ending with not even singing the fucking last note of that choir song. Oh. That end, I just clapped at the end. <laughs> this is so great, fantastic. Uh, shakes. Um, I'm gonna give this. A seven. Um, I've really been thinking about it like all weekend since we've been watching it. We'll randomly think about it again and like reflect on something new. Um, but like, it's really, yeah, I, I just like keep thinking about it and keep reflecting on <laughs> its impact in my life and, and like thinking about religion and yeah, I, I can't stop. <laughs> all right. Nikisha. I am going to say a nine only because I just finished it today, <laughs> a couple of hours before this. So it's still just heavy on my mind. I've texted like 10 people to tell them to watch it. Actually, even I watched like the first four episodes Friday and then I couldn't get to it again until like today. But even in those four episodes, I was like telling my friend, you who shout out to Terrence, who listens to our podcast every Thursday as part of his morning routine. Now I was like, you have to watch this so that you can watch the episode, listen to the episode when it comes out. Um, but I was texting everybody about this. It's fantastic. Nine. Uh, this is a 10 for me. Uh, no, no other commentary <laughs> needed. Yes. Um, cool. So suggestions. Um, so I'm gonna suggest, I mean, everyone should see all of my Flanagan's things. Um, but I have a suggestion for a, an interesting TV show, um, called Evil, <laughs> which is, it's kind of a little bit goofy, but I did binge watch the first season of it. Um, because it's about this like psychologist who teams up with somebody, you know, this show. I haven't, yes. I've been meaning to watch it because people have suggested it to me. Yes. I know exactly what you're talking about, but I haven't watched it. Um, yes. yes. Um, so it's, it's a psychologist who teams up with this, um, this person who works for the Catholic church. And basically they are in each episode trying to determine if, um, someone who is like, you know, responsible for doing something quote evil, whether that person is possessed or if the evilness like lies within them as a person. Um, and so like trying to figure out like, is it normal, normal people evil or is it like supernatural evil? Um, and it's, it's pretty interesting. Apparently season two is, is back and it's supposed to be really good. So I'll probably keep watching it. But, um, but yeah, in terms of like a, another, you know, Catholic church representation, another area where there's like some supernatural, um, but also some like mental health, which is really interesting. Um, so yeah, another therapist recommended it to me. Um, so check it out. Nice. Nikisha? 
I honestly, I'm so bad at these and I did not think about a suggestion, but in our conversations, I'm going to go with doubts because with, of the religious commentary of it all, but also like the, you have to make the decision on your own about what it actually happens at the end uh, of the movie. No spoilers in that, but just, uh, it's a thinker and it's one of those, you know, you individualized things of where your faith could lie or the gray areas of it all and all that stuff. So I'm going to suggest Meryl Streep, Doubt, Viola Davis, amazing performance, amazing performances all around. Um, like Jamie, obviously watched Haunting of Hill House and Bly Manor. Um, but uh, I'm going to go with the movie St. Maud. Mm. Uh, mm. Which is about this kind of newly religious person who becomes a caretaker for someone who is not religious and the things that that uh, go on there. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to say St. Maud as a suggestion. I still have to watch that. Oh, so many things to do. Okay. Um, that was cool. a lot. <laughs> Woo, we did it. But we did it. The whole we show. The whole show. We hope that you guys enjoyed this as much as we have obviously enjoyed this uh, show, you know, suggested to your friends and then tell them to listen to this podcast after they watch all of the episodes. Yay. You can definitely find us on Instagram and Twitter at Talk Horror Pod. We are back, baby. Season two coming out. Episodes. I thought, said- <laughs> I thought you said sleezing. And I was like, whoa, that's the opposite of this very religious episode. We're that- sleezing it up. Season two, baby. <laughs> that's going to be our theme now. Sleezing it up. <laughs> season two. <laughs> Yeah. Oh God. Season one, we're doing trying our best. Season two is we're sleezing it up. <laughs> Even you know, giving you a little uh va va voom, you know, a little extra bop. <laughs> so thank you guys so much uh for listening. And Brian, where can they listen to us? Sure, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, things like Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts. Uh rate and review us there. Five stars, please. And thank you. Yeah. We hope you guys enjoy Midnight Mass. Thank you so much. Any parting words, Jamie? A quote or two? Maybe a Bible verse? Oh, I mean, if if it's a Bible verse, then I am absolutely delegating that to you, ma'am. <laughs> I don't even know. All I can think of right now is Jesus wept because it's the shortest Bible verse, but also we wept through this, basically, our empathic self. I did. I I wept. If anybody ever wants to like hear me sniffle and recover, uh, you know, my last, my seventh voice memo after watching this is, uh, you know, me being sad. Sad times. We, we all wept at the hauntingly beautiful midnight mass. Thank y'all for listening. And fuck Bev. <laughs> yes. <laughs>